What's up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. Today with me, I have the CEO of Vice Canning, Julian Barton. Thanks, Rick, for having me back again. Uh, this is exciting. It's been a while. Um, brought you guys some beverages today. Oh, what, what, what do we got? Some fresh canned beers. Today we have a collab that Ferment did for a restaurant that opened up in the Beaverton area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Japanese lager. It's delicious. Try it out. Not a problem, my friend. Ooh, nice. That's not, that was a good. That was a good one. It was a good little little pop. Dude, that is good. That is really good. That's that's one of the uh, perks of canning beers. You get to sample stuff fresh off the line. We do. It's you can't get any better than that. <laughs> we even can get tank tests. Yeah. Taste. So how, it's pretty nice. How you don't weigh seven hundred pounds is 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 is, is well, once a, well actually to be I'm honest, on a liquid diet. Yeah, you're on a li- <laughs> you're on a liquid diet. No, but I actually have canned um, like just. We're, we're, we've been knowing each other for years, and I've canned in the trailer, and it's uh, it's a pretty intense work, man. Close well, thanks. quarters, uh, and I appreciate all the help you've done over these last few years. Uh, you definitely helped out, pulled your weight. Uh, oh, yeah, it's a debate between who's helped more between it you is, and Nino. We have a but, friend. Nino's definitely just honestly like the laziest, biggest piece of crap of all time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's weaseled his way in. Yes, right? yes. His name the is Swiss uh, Weasel. Swiss Weasel. He's this Swiss Weasel, is what I call because he just always seems to get into things. Like, any if you're throwing a party and you don't invite him, not that I would do that, but he he'll find a way to fucking get in. Always uh, at well, all times. You know, he's he's a great time. We he's a great have, time. We have to have him around. We do, Nino. I love you. No, I'm playing dog. Um, but yeah, man, I just I kind of want to talk. The last time you were on the show, we discussed the journey of Vice, and you just a little bit of back background for some of the new listeners. Uh, denied by seven banks, and was able to persevere and find someone to get capital. And there were a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And then I kind of want to just. And I, I think I mentioned you on this podcast before of a lot of my friend group during the coronavirus, there were those that kind of died off and not died, but like there were, but I'm saying personally, personal development wise, they just kind of got depressed and stayed down and didn't fucking thrive. And then most of the people that I know thrived. And one of the reasons that you ended up going into this industry. I remember this was your kind of your pitch was it was recession proof. So I kind of want you to talk us through what happened during the pandemic. Sorry, Rick. No, no worries, dude. <laughs> so the pandemic was interesting. We did kind of leave off early on with Vice. So kind of backstory pre-COVID, mm-hmm. uh, Vice was still chugging along as uh, a startup. We're still a startup. I'm still going to consider it a startup 100%. because uh, we aren't public yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it it was a rough journey. So last time I was on here, I talked about how we finally secured financing and got going. And we're I think we we're just in a year, like a year in, mm-hmm. maybe not even. And it was kind of talking about like I got the money and told Desiree it. This is exciting. She's like, "Why is you? Why are you not as excited as I expected?" It's like, "Cause we now have to go do the work." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, um, through that, it's been through almost three years of working for myself, like truly working for myself, and it's been a journey that every, I think, entrepreneur really goes through. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't really speak much on that prior, like how much time was being spent and everything, like. Just going and traveling was a big part of that conversation and going and spending time with the banks. But it's an astronomical amount of work from the physical being there to the going and doing administrative work of making sure you have all your regulations like trucking rigs Mm -hmm. and fees paid. Yeah, uh, like all your workers' comp and insurance and payroll and cash flow. So it was it was been a journey of just figuring all that out after this last 
time I was on the show. So yeah. it's been it's been hard. I I went through a transition of clients, like turning my book of business from being all over the Northwest to really kind of specializing in the Portland metropolitan area, which has been a blessing not to be away from home as much. Um, so that was really nice all pre-COVID, but with that, I lost some pretty large clients to having their own canyon lines mm-hmm. and um, just conflicts of quality and differences at the time. So it was really a growth stage right before COVID mm-hmm. of figuring all of our our shit out, to be honest. Yeah. It, it was hard. Like We got to the point in year two that I definitely thought we'd be unwinding and like figuring out a plan and going through the stresses of laying people off and uh, that that's one of the hardest things ever. You never start a business thinking that you're yeah. not going to be successful and uh, laying people off is really hard. So <laughs> that was all pre-COVID. Yeah, so yeah. that was like leading up to COVID. Like I had to lay off two people and I talked to one of my other great friends, Ahmed, and was like, you know, we have to buckle down, bootstrap this even more than I was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, look, we can do it for a year. Are you on board of going from October to October, just canning ourselves so that we can get a nest egg and survive and keep going and grow? And he's like, yeah, sure, man. Like, he's he's a go-getter. Like, he's definitely here to support my goal and it's kind of our goal at this point yeah yeah and so hats off to Ahmed and his wife and Desiree for supporting yeah, <laughs> my yeah. goals yeah dude uh that's a hard one so that again gets us to COVID so we committed to that in October of 2019 mm-hmm. and then January rolled around and we hear about some sh- weird shit going on in China <laughs> yeah and uh not believing a hundred percent like what the media is telling us. Yeah. And then a few months later, COVID hit. And, uh, when everything shut down, everybody's beer had to go somewhere. <laughs> and it wasn't going into kegs and going into pints anymore. So that was, it was, it was exciting at first, uh, to that because it did it did help us out a lot mm-hmm. so just kind of answer your question covid was very successful yeah. and a blessing to some extent for vice canning yeah like we were so busy yes it was ridiculous so yeah and and not expect not planning no, for it no. was pretty difficult because it was just being Ahmed. we're like we're gonna do a whole summer a whole year by ourselves yes and master our, our machine and canning so to, to kind of like take a step back uh just because i have a little bit of an inside knowledge here the busy season primarily for the food and bab industry is in the summer that's correct so yeah uh, thank you you're a better storyteller the the busy season for canned products are normally hot months so Mm -hmm. when the sun's out people are normally going doing outside activities and that's where cans really thrive so that's all for any canned product and going from there is that specifically cans or as bottles? I used to work at a um, <clears throat> a cidery and our same kind of thing. And we were we were essentially dead from November to February, and yeah. then when people started getting out hiking again, we it's, did bottles and cans. Though it's all packaged products essentially, so people yeah tend to buy more. And then like the from November to February is definitely the slow season, and those months. People are normally having family gatherings, so mm-hmm. it tends to be more wine that they buy yeah, and spirits because it's gift-giving. So yeah. that's just what we've seen. Yeah. Um, but the transition from not having like, pubs open and restaurants drastically changed all these production yeah. s- systems. So it, it went from all the breweries wanting to survive the winter like everybody else the slow season and just being cut off and everybody's scared and i knew it was the slow season Mm -hmm. so i don't know the exact date when oregon shut down off top of my head i should have it tattooed somewhere (laughs) on my body (laughs) but but yeah so basically the plan um just for the listener 
his plan was we're going to bust our ass during the summer where we, we had to lay two people off to bootstrap this bitch. And we, cause we need to have money to get us through these, the, the incredibly slow months of the winter time. Correct. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden this virus happens. I remember actually it's funny. We were on a plane and uh, um, going to our, our little, our annual guys, our trip. Little, annual man's trip to Arizona and we 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 keep hearing things about this virus, and I'm like, it's all bullshit, you know. Little did I know. And you you know, you were concerned about the company that was uh, weighing heavily. Like, oh man, it's going to be a tight winter. And then it turned out not to be. Yeah, it, it did open up a lot earlier. So 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 we didn't even get to the summer. Yeah. Or the busy season before we were swamped with canning runs. So. It was interesting. But so the biggest, the first thing was when this all happened and everybody called us up, it was like, how are these people going to pay us? Because they have all their employees. And I was just like, I'm going to go down burning <laughs> or uh, this is going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. And so like the first couple months, like I, I procured two extra truckloads of cans and paid for them and... Uh, I have to pay up front for my cans like months in advance. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did it. I pulled the trigger, bought a bunch of cans, yeah. and just hoped that they could all pay. Otherwise, we were all going to go down together. <laughs> um, it was pretty scary and stressful at the time. Like I just laid off two people, and I'm, now I'm just blowing all my cash off <laughs> on cans and hoping that people can pay me back. So that was a little exhilarating <laughs> at the time. So it, we ended up starting our busy season as soon as we shut down. So it went from, I'd say, mid-March mm-hmm. to October. And we were canning to help these guys. Because most of the product sitting in tanks needed to be turned because they needed to fill more tanks or it was going to go bad Yeah, and all this stuff. And it... It was seven days a week. It was, like it was seven, seven days, days a week, week dude. Until at least July, and then we went to six days a week <laughs> through August and September, and went like occasional every two weeks. It was six week or six days in October. Um, it was crazy. And Ahmed and I, we worked so hard. <laughs> you were so in wise. reflection. It's 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 beautiful that we even were able to do it. To yeah. be honest, and through all that, it was just like acquiring. There's a great can shortage. Mm-hmm. There's still a can shortage, yeah, because so many people switch to canned products and they're not going back. Yeah, what, was, what you mentioned that uh, we weren't talking like just during a personal conversation. Like bottles are dead. What the fuck does that mean? Uh, they're logistically irrelevant anymore, and a lot of people that were doing bottles were doing 22 ounce bombers, and. Mm-hmm. A lot of the big retails just eliminated those shelving systems altogether because they could do a 16-pack, or four-pack, quad-pack, we call them, Mm -hmm. of 16s, and they get more margin on it because they're moving more volume and people are more accustomed to it now. Yeah. And then we have all the great bottle shops that put out 16s and singles. So it's the market's really changed. Like there's still gonna be some bottles around mm-hmm. just for people wanting to be different yeah. and depending on what type of product they're putting into it. But yeah. Can for I the most st- part it's it's done. That's that's hard for me to hear because I remember uh in college I would buy the pyramid twenty two ounce uh it was apricot? No, no, dude. Probably that, was the apricot. No, definitely wasn't. It was the, the uh No, it was an Imperial IPA. It was eight point five percent and it was like two dollars. And I'd buy like three of those oh, before a football game and I would just get annihilated. That's like at the beginning of the pandemic. Um my one of my really good friends, he's he and his wife are in their mid sixties or so. And so when everything was still pretty wild for the first like couple months, I offered to go grocery shopping for them. So I would do like weekly food runs and like half half of their budget was alcohol <laughs> because Jim would be buying like he'd have me buy six like 22 malt liquors and he was just like, That's good enough for me for a week. I'll take care of that. And it was just like and I was doing that too. We were going through like 
two or three cases of like shitty Coors Light level beer in like a week <laughs> doing just like 7 a.m. beers. There was a lot of that going on. There, that's what everybody well, sat at home doing. Yeah, like what, everybody got the glory of working from home mm-hmm. and get to really take up like I can have a beer whenever and my boss doesn't know and I can still function. Yeah. Like a bunch of shenanigans happened while everybody was working from home. Like absolutely. 100%. And, 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 and you were the guy in the industry that was taking advantage of that, which is awesome. Yeah. I would. I don't want to say I was taking advantage no, no, of no, it, no, but, but it was opportunity it was that opportunity. I was definitely seizing. Because I, I honestly didn't take advantage of any of our clients on price gouging or any of that stuff. No, that no. could 100%. have happened. No, I could no. have hoarded masks and... <laughs> <laughs> sold them for 500% and have the FBI yeah. follow me around but yeah. I don't want the FBI no me. we don't well, another another thing um, I talked to a gosh I don't know if it was a head of marketing at uh, oh no Pelican Brewing right and the breweries have an interesting take on it. I feel like they're and this this is a nice pop. Uh, this isn't the I don't think this is a take of all breweries right but they're I've I just get this vibe. They're always like, we're always, we're going to be poor. And I'm like, that's not necessarily the case. But this guy's like, we, I asked him how he did during COVID. And he's like, you know, we did okay. I'm like, that's right, a good modest answer. He's like, well, the thing is, people change what they're drinking during down times. And he's like, they might not be drinking as much craft beer because they don't have as much money. And I'm like, well, I get what you're saying, but... Like the OL, was it the OLC, the OLCC, which what does that stand for? O- Oregon Liquor, Liquor License Com- Commission, Commission, something. Like yeah, look it up, pull that up. Thanks. And um, the alcohol sales were through the fucking roof. Uh, it's Oregon Liquor Control Commission. Okay, and the, the alcohol sales in the state of Oregon were were through the roof. Like everything was. I don't know what the percentage was. It, it was. Insane, and I think the brewery, from the brewer standpoint, and the brewery owner standpoint, is packaged goods don't have nearly as much margin as their pints they sell in draft. Okay, like oh. that's so. That's where they all weren't. They were just trying to make ends meet. Okay, and like that's where I was like, I can't just like knowing this. I can't just like they still make some money, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna try and raise my prices and just price them all out. And yeah, it was. Everybody was competing, and they were all scrambling, coming up with creative ways of the delivery systems and all that. And it was just crazy. It was. That was when we were too. We were honestly too busy to even be like trying to scheme on the side as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was one cool thing that the the state did, right? Because listen, I hate the government. If you've listened to the show, you know this. Uh, But the state was like, oh, guess what? You know what? Guys, we're uh, liquor taxes. Like, let's just go ahead and open up beer delivery services, and that was cool. I also thought that was another cool thing. There was that uh, drive-through strip club or Boober. There was Boober Eats as well, where they had strippers delivering your food. Like, there was a lot of like weird, creative things that. So the uh, you were saying the sales were up. Yeah. Between April and June of 2020, uh, sales increased three to uh, the year before, and tobacco yeah. sales went up 13 <laughs> percent. And I was a part of all of that. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I I drank way too much during the pandemic, and then I got fat and did a sub. We, we already know. Let's, we, all, we, we all did. Yeah, we know that story, listeners. But um, yeah, it's I uh, definitely proud. I missed you. I never saw you during. <laughs> I know <laughs> during it was that like time. back when I was starting Vice. It was crazy, it was. and it was. like thankfully I was be was able to be home yeah. most nights where yes. I didn't have to travel as much. But it was long, long days. It was long days. And then you had a kid. Yeah, and then we we had a COVID baby. <laughs> hey, congratulations! <laughs> yeah, you had a kid. Yeah, uh, it was. And so that, it was. It was quite the. Challenge to like do something with your time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. My, my free time was definitely. <laughs> we know where it went. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's great. Um, yeah, you, you, you had a kid, and that well, that was part of the strategy. His name's Winston. Uh, by Winston, the way, Winston James Barton. Winston what James. A good name. Thanks. And I tried to get him to name him Rick, but it wasn't happening. They would have no you name. even hate not Rick. with that How spelling. That's a great way to spell the name, dog. Well, Shit. Everybody, Rick's name is not Rick. It's Ricky. Mm-hmm. 
it, so, you know what? This is true. Rickety to the, uh, the this listeners. This is true. It's spelled R-I-K-K-I, but I just, no C's in this motherfucker. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so you, you had a kid, and that was part of the strategy of like eliminating a lot of the, the long-haul canning runs, like to yeah, Eastern Washington. Yeah, I definitely want to be home more and spend time with the family, and Vice is not strategically there to be able to provide the true full Northwest experience that I would like. Mm-hmm. Like we have to have probably two to three more or two more canning lines to fully get all these markets and have all the employees be home. And like, I do care a lot about my employees. Like I want them to be home. I want, I don't like the experience it at first hand was like, it, it changed my life in that like, you can only ask so much of your employees before you need to take responsibility for what's happening. Yeah. And it wasn't a good work environment to be that good, like gone that much and like try to create environment to have good employees and have them and have good successful lives as well. So it just, we had to bring it home. Yeah, yeah, we had yeah, to bring yeah. it home, which is, it's, and it's been, it's been a journey in that extent as well so mm-hmm. and yeah because you had certain employees that were young single dudes that were fucking ballers but that is a short window of time in any man or woman's life yeah and, it, and, so, and i think it should be mm-hmm. like we all want to be those people going yeah. out and having a great time but uh, we've had some experiences where it kind of poured over into their work uh ethic and that was a challenge to overcome mm-hmm. as well so you have learned a lot through this experience. Married men definitely produce more for the employer. I will say that. Yeah, yeah. You need to be settled, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at, um, which is super interesting, you look at like, it's, there's a certain amount, like uh, the only thing I can kind of relate to that statement is uh, when I was 18, I got a scholarship as playing football, washed out after a year because I didn't, under, I didn't have the dedication, the work ethic to succeed. Had I had a kid and a family, I think my, you know, your grades would probably be better. Your, especially if you're playing football, like you're not going out and partying and trying to fuck girls or whatever. You are disciplined, like especially if you're like I'm trying to make it to the league, and I had no chance of doing that. But like, if or you just like create a career for mm, my family to like pay, like exactly. You just you have an altered view of or new lens to look through, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Hundred percent. Yeah, that I, would, mean, I don't know if you would have enjoyed having a kid through college. No, but, no, I wouldn't. Have. I would. Uh, I'm just saying. Like, I, but having a kid is very. It's an eye-opening experience. It definitely it's a new is. challenge. Yes. No. I, I don't. I don't want to have children for several, several years. But like, but what, one and a half years on this. <laughs> You're crazy, man. Um, no, but like, what I was trying to say is like, if you look at like LeBron James, I, he was young when he became a father. And a lot of these really good pros are fathers because like they and they're also and I'm not saying that's I would I don't know if I'm prepared to say that's the the rule. I think that's the rule potentially. And it could be you have Steve Young that that's the exception of the rule, but he was Mormon. But like the majority of the majority of them are settled like they go to work. They treat the football as a career. They go to work and then they go home. And then mm-hmm. they're working on shit in the meantime. From Tom ex- Brady from also experience too, most guys that like their first year in the league, that's when they like if they haven't locked down by the time they know they're going to get drafted or signed, they lock down whoever they're with, and then they they settle their home life and then go into football. You definitely should do that. Yes, that would be a good because it's not going to go well. I don't think there are. I guess te- no, there's te- anomalies to all of it. One hundred percent. But yeah, hundred percent. So that, we digress a little bit. We did digress a little bit. So. Yeah, married men definitely produce more uh, from an employer standpoint because uh, you're, you're right. Like they're they're more settled, have more of a plan in place and work ethic to provide for their families. Yeah. So where were we? Well, we were we were we were, we were all over the place. Co- yeah. COVID babies is like Co- COVID, COVID, COVID babies and not having enough money being, to run three canning lines. Having, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, we we brought it back and we. We just powered through the full year of having seven days a week. It was it was rough. It was hard, but through it, we like we we accomplished what our goal was in the previous October of creating a nest egg to survive the next winter and make some 
capital expenditures. And so it was pretty neat. We bought a new box truck. We expanded our warehouse. We are not a new box truck, but new to us. Yeah. Um, and then we got a, we got a cool forklift. Yeah, you got it. Which Rick's still not certified. Oh, oh you're not certified. Not you're the only one no, in the room who's not forklift not certified. Forklift. How's it feel to be a scrub? I'll fucking kill you. Uh, it doesn't pa- feel power great. jack baby. <laughs> I'm a baby back bitch. It's dude. all about forks up. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you got a new forklift, yeah. which is incredible. It was pretty neat. So that was probably the coolest expenditure we got. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we just we cre- so we've changed the way over the year. It was like, all right, we're gonna invest in a second canning line this next October. But as we got that busy and realizing that we just logistically can't function well the way we were. Of like hauling our our labeler around in the back of my pickup truck and front basically front running the trailer with the same vehicle mm-hmm. all the time and not having enough space in the warehouse like we just couldn't support we couldn't we hardly could support our own canning line or the the big canning line without taxing ourselves so it's like we need to be able to support this and another canning line before we can even have the second canning line mm-hmm. so it, it like. It changed the scope of what my goal was over the course of the year, and that, like that was because of Desiree as well, of like making sure that we stayed on top of what needs to be done, so we could be home at decent times. So that was the best thing about COVID. I think that affected Vice was really kind of grounding ourselves and walking before we ran mm-hmm. or before we go run. Um, so we're we're definitely in a good spot to continue our expansion now so we, through covid we can make we can make it through winters we can support a second canning line mm-hmm. and that was key so what like what is your mindset what's your mindset like when you're waking up at four in the morning and you've been canning for six days and this is the seventh day like what what keeps you going what what's your drive to get up well, it's honestly, it's the clients at this yeah. point. Like it, it, and my word, like I, we're building a brand and like expectation of customer service and being there. And it, it, so, sometimes you wake up and you say, "Fuck my life, like, this <laughs> yeah. sucks. This is not what I wanted." Like no, I, no one wants to get up at four o'clock in the morning. Like there's, no one does. But sometimes you have to. Yep. And sometimes we're getting up at four o'clock in the morning to beat the uh, Portland meter maids <laughs> to a client so that we could get in and out before they even got up and out of bed. Yeah. Because that was a struggle too, just like city regulations of like parking. Sometimes we're we're riding dirty and canning without permission because they won't give it to us and we just have to feed the meter and then they when they show up and they're like, What is this? <laughs> I was like, well, this is a canning line. This is a whole production. I have all five parking spots paid. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you can't do this. <laughs> like, well, what do you mean you can't do this? I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. I've been doing it for almost a year now. And then they, they're like, that was a funny story. But uh, so they, um, from that, they uh, we had to get some exclusions made and some exceptions made. But. Short term, hopefully, some of these exclusions carry over. Yeah. And like they made some interesting comments of just being naive, I think, to the industry of being like, what brewery would start without considering a canning line? It's like, do you know how much please, a fucking yeah, canning line costs? You can't, son? You can't just <laughs> blow all this money on just a canning line because it doesn't make you money. Like, you really have to focus on things that Everyone's, make you money. Everyone starts with the mobile canner and then goes to their own canning mm-hmm. line when they can invest. How, what, yeah. what is the cost it, of a bright tank? A bright tank ranges depending on how, how big and how nice they get them. They can range from like twenty three to $50,000. So, and that creates money. Like, not even a bright tank. Like they use uni tanks now, mm-hmm. is what they call them, and they're just fermenters that are able to have a carb stone and be canned off of. And so those make money. They can pay for themselves rather quickly. Where a canyon line is just a cost savings. It's not really a means of making money. So I I promote any brewer, soon-to-be brewer, to invest in equipment that makes you money then saves you money right off the bat. Exactly. Because it's 
it's competitive out there. One of, one of the coolest things that I, I enjoyed about you was I remember we were, t- we were trying to make plans to hang out, and you were like, well, I can't because you have a program at Vice where you can for, like, up-and-coming like home brewers, right? I don't know if that's still mm-hmm. going on. No. <laughs> it's, uh, that's axed. Yeah, I don't really promote that anymore. So <laughs> that was back when I was struggling to find new clients that I, I thought it would be a good idea. And I, I still think it is a good idea on paper mm-hmm. to can for up-and-coming people and make sure I bend over backwards for them because they could become a brewer, any aspiring craft beverage company i'd i'd try to reach give them an olive branch to get out because it's hard to find somebody that will do it yeah and there's good reasons why (laughs) and so it's come back and it's bitten me in the butt a few times um so i've really really stopped doing that but there's still like off the wall case that i'm like all right we can do an r&d can't even run but I've also bought some new tools to be able to do it without going full production. Because that's the hard part is like getting the machine up and running. It's a two-hour process, and then it's an hour process afterwards just to make sure it's clean and sterile for everybody. Yeah. And uh, gathering all the utilities to do it at my warehouse is a little bit more challenging because we aren't really designed to run production out of our warehouse. Yeah. So it... I did it for a while, and it just it was a lot of work. It was it was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, it was it. a great idea. You're t- you're until I was like, oh, this is five hours for fifteen minutes worth of production. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not good. Yeah. But at the same time, like you you you're you're past that. You're at a different level right mm-hmm. now. You're you are, which is is has been amazing to watch as you you went from the new kid on the block to a major fucking player. Mm-hmm. in the canning industry which is cool we have it's been pretty nice um to like earn my stripes and get out there and we're respected now and you have to you have to earn respect you can't just give it out no so that's been that's been a journey <laughs> it's, 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 it's been, been hard it's still hard to maintain your respect and all that so yeah, your your name is the one thing that like it sticks with you. Your reputation too, and you have to guard that with your life because once it's once it's gone, it's hard to get back. And I guess that goes back to like why I, it's I get up at four o'clock in the morning. Like it, that's part of it. Like I have to maintain my reputation and say I'm going to be there at five, ready to rock. So to get up early, commute a little bit. Yeah, yeah, um, that, that's that's what it's about, dude. So, yeah. so, so do you want to touch a brief, like what you you just became a new father and what's that experience been like for you? It's been amazing. It's pretty magical. Um, it's uh, I think I figured so. This is pre-COVID. I was just figuring out my work-life balance, mm-hmm. and like through COVID, I feel like we got it down pretty well. Like setting expectations and being home and all that stuff. But adding a kid, I've had to like. It's been a challenge to get my work-life balance back to where it needs to be to like incubate a mm-hmm. wonderful child and support a beautiful wife. So it's been it's been hard. It's been hard. It started off pretty easy because I can only do so much at the early stages and like as much as I can. But as he's getting older and bigger, it's I'm, there's more responsibilities coming down my way. Yes. So that's been a challenge. Um, it's been great. It's cool to see. Pretty soon we'll have a new employee, so that'll be nice. <laughs> <laughs> he has to pay for his college somehow. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, he's not even crawling yet, so you've got, you know, you got a few years, but who knows? He has four and a half years before there. he can drive a forklift. <laughs> <laughs> can move the seat forward. Can I get another one of those beers? Yeah, absolutely. What would you it? like? I don't know. What's a Pilsner, deep? IPA? I'll do the, uh, which, which one are you having? I'm doing the Foreland... Form follows IPA. Ooh, it's delicious. Thank you, Forland and Julian. This episode is sponsored by Forland Brewing. That's right. And no, Vice Canning. No, Vice Canning, sorry. This was Vice Canning. <laughs> My apologies. <clears throat> oh, that's good. And these are quality control beers, so. 
Absolutely. That was dangerous when I worked there. It was the QC pile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, our pile is way too large. <laughs> Did that, you? Yeah, so it was. We can't, so like, was I can't mine. even give it away. It's like it's too big. We throw a lot of beer away. That's a shame, man. It's unfortunate, but it's a shame. I mean, I haven't really bought beer in a long time. I really haven't. But this is this is delicious. Absolutely delicious. Where's this brewery out of? Forlands out of McMinnville. We're actually getting there tomorrow. Um, you have a great brewery. Excuse me. I'm gonna have to get some of these brewers on this podcast, or, or some of the some of the guys. At yeah, some they, point. there's some very interesting, like cool, very knowledgeable people of all expertise in the brewing industry. So oh, yeah. Um, are you you told me there are beer awards. Like uh, this is fascinating. You gotta kind of oh the Oregon Beer Awards. Uh, that's probably my favorite awards that went out and. Uh, I got to experience that in 2019. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you weren't able to be there. No. Probably some, I think I remember it was like a girl thing or something. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> it's just where all the Oregon breweries get together and they submit their beers. And uh, I think Willamette Weekly puts puts it all together and they award the best beers of the year. And it's a pretty magical time. It is. So it's it's, it's just a drunk fest of all the brewers. It is. And it's 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 so think the think of the Academy Awards, but for beer. Exactly. Exactly what it is. And uh unfortunately in two thousand twenty it was all virtual and kind of kind of fizzled out and was pretty lame to be mm, honest. Yeah. Um I didn't attend that one or sponsor it. But what's the dress? Two, what's the dress? Brewery chic. So yeah, it actually, it is. It's actually the Dicky shirts that yeah. are buttoned up, like it's the brewer shirt. Yeah. Um, that's and they all have them embroidered and all nice. <laughs> you got and, your brewery logo and or the brewery hoodie, the zip up hoodie. No, they don't wear hoodies. They just oh, wear the really? brewery. Uh, it's, it's, everybody's hot. There's a lot of people in this one spot. <laughs> um, so it it was it was a lot of fun. There's a lot of shenanigans. Just getting it's a drunk fest. It's great. Um, so I look forward to attending the 2021. I'll be there. OBA, and I definitely plan to sponsor the next one. So I'll be there. I'll be giving, be out, there some, giving out Vice Swag. V- giving out Vice give, Swag. Giving out an award. That'll be sick, dude. I can't wait. I'm so excited. That'll be cool. Are they do- when, it, when, when is it? I'm going to clear my, my calendar out just to make uh, sure I don't miss it this time. I can't remember. It changed. So this year was postponed a little bit. So I think it's normally in. Like January, February. Okay. So. That's not bad at all, man. No. That's not bad at all. Should be great. So, um, man, like, this beer is really fucking good, dude. I can't. And I've never been here. Shout out to Sean. They just opened up not too long ago. Really? Sean makes beautiful beverages. Shout out, Sean. Sean, you're dialed in, buddy. Yeah. He uh, he spun off from... Von Ebert, which is another great brewery, mm-hmm. um, both won awards this year. So it was they they make some very good beer. Now, what are some of the threats to the beer industry? This is kind of an off the wall question, but being a, a strategic thinker, I figured I'd ask you. Hmm. To the beer industry? Yeah. Well, it's always going to be quality. Yeah. Like that, and having a new brewery come up and beat you on quality, and maybe not sustaining your your legend, I guess, mm-hmm. or like the the quality that you if you win a medal, the ethos you, of the brewery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, gotcha. Like you have to like kind of continue down that. There's a lot of breweries that kind of fizzle out, and they win a couple of awards, and they just take the back seat and just ride it out in thievery people i'm assuming people going to other breweries or them starting yeah and like creating just staying creative and on the cutting edge um i guess the biggest threat would be the seltzer hard seltzers dude those are so profitable yeah and there's been a few breweries that have considered it but it's kind of like a sellout situation where and you can see it like on the on the domestic beers like they all have them now yeah. It's really it, it's interesting. And like you can only make so many flavors. Yeah. Relatively. Like you can make they're all the same thing. It's just sparkling water. Yeah. So and we, they have the scale and the logistics to make it happen. And that's one of the reasons why we have a can shortage. 
oh, is because of those people. All truly, this, all, and all the seltzer waters and the just the sparkling waters in general. I don't think White Claw would count because they use those like skinny cans. It's mostly it's the twelve ounce cans that like the breweries just getting into it. Yeah, so you're kind of right on that. So like it, they have their own canning like manufacturing lines for those sizes, but it still takes the money away from the brewery. The consumer t- to buy other things. Yeah. So it's like all these college kids. Like we were drinking twenty-two ounce bombers, like you were saying yeah. earlier from Pyramid. Which rest in peace, Pyramid Brewing. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, where have you been, man? What the fuck, dude? Seriously? They've been gone for years. No, pull yeah. it up. I don't yeah. believe you guys. Yeah. Yeah. They closed up like during. Dude, they have COVID. a brewery right by. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No. Bro, no, I don't believe they you. They got bought, I thought. Oh, they too. got bought, and then they just got. I need you to Google, them. bro. I'm freaking out right now. Oh, well, it was. I think it was a curveball. What was it? What was it? I think it may have been the curveball. That was Travis and I's go-to. Uh, here we go. January 9th of this year from Willamette Week, Portland Brewing uh, will close. Oh, that's Portland. The yeah, Pyramid Portland Brewing. The brand will live on. And the company that owns Portland has not decided what to do with the brewery equipment. Pyramids out. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm with these beers causing me to burp. Um, this is really the live experience they, here. Yeah, they? they literally had, like, their brew is right by Safeco, whatever the, f- I'm yeah, shocked. Yeah, so we were drinking 22-ounce bombers. Yes. A couple years behind us, we were drinking 16-ounce quad packs, and yeah. now they're drinking seltzers. They're drinking Bush Light. They're drinking White Claws, Trulies. Who isn't? Isn't who, all the beer pl- places are making like seltzer beers, and it's the mm-hmm. flavored beers. Like, is that Coors Light that does like the lime flavored one? Mm-hmm. Bud Light with lime. That natty, the natty, the natter day one though. Yeah. That's that's like I get white girl wasted on that oh, shit. Oh, I, I haven't good. tried the the that the. We got to stop this. I want to just do a little public service announcement. Listen, if you're a college kid and listening to this, listen, harden the fuck up, go out. Get yourself an Imperial IPA. Grow some hair on your nuts. Bootstrap your way to being drunk. God damn right. That's what needs to happen. These these this white claw stuff, this these trulies, fuck you. All right? That's not American. All right? You're in cahoots with the Chinese as far as... I'm just kidding. Mm, that's possibly <laughs> the most American thing we could do is drink sparkling hard water. We don't drink water regularly. Yeah, enough, no, this, is, so. this is ridiculous. So we get to hydrate and get drunk. Listen, I'm not going to lie. I've tried them. They're okay. I do prefer beer, though. Yeah. I just... I, I, I do. I, I do, too. But I have an acquired taste now, and uh, I like really good beer. I like good beer, too. I'm a beer so, snob. 100%. Traveling now is hard to find good beer outside yeah. of the Northwest. Uh, well, the funny story, and I'm pretty sure you know this, you know all things beer. There is a large uh, human capital, that I wouldn't say drain, but the market, in, in my opinion, I could be wrong, correct me if I am, the, the market is it's not quite saturated, but it's getting to a point where it's pretty saturated in Portland, Washington, right, of of craft beer. So there's a lot of brewers moving to places like North Carolina in the south and opening up their own breweries. I have heard a little bit about this. You're right. There is a little bit of a human capital drain, but I don't think it's as significant. I guess I'm not on the hiring side and of that, but I do know that there's breweries out there that start up and they headhunt mm-hmm. people from the Northwest area to come out and they'll pay them extravagant wages. Like there's places in Alaska that will do it and they'll pay them like $75,000 a year to a hundred thousand dollars a year. And they're just like, this sucks. I'm in the middle of nowhere. And I would probably, I would probably take that deal. I think you would for a while. (laughs) From my, what I've heard is they, they'll, do it for a while and they get tired of it and there's like i have to go back to civilization i've heard that i've heard that the people of listen this is this is a broad generalization if you're from alaska and you're listening i love you but i've heard that the people potentially in your state are kind of sketch and it's really weird it's the last frontier it's the last frontier you're gonna get a lot of uh, frontiersmen motherfuckers up there and it's not ideal, you know, especially if you're coming from Portland, which is a pretty 
cool place. Well, no, no, it's not. It's actually terrible. It kind of it kind of sucks now yeah, to be to be honest. One hundred percent. Like the, more daily. The cartels yeah. are there. There's a large percentage of cartels. They're packs of up. wild dogs that control parts of Portland. Like yeah. Alberta, Alberta riots, was lost like years still ago. Burning stuff. From yeah, the riots. yeah like, just, there's no reason to be here. Exactly. It's a real shitty state. The state's mostly desert. So yes, again, yeah. But yeah, I get it. I get it. So but come up pushing up housing prices. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> a beautiful home, but uh, yeah, that's 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 a whole other thing, man. The the housing. I, I guess we're fully free flowing now, so just roll with it. The housing market is absolutely insane. Yeah, it really is. It's insane, and you're a value investor as well. Like the, the, yeah. this is this is not the actual. Like people Prime. don't move here because it's not the time to buy. Yeah, yeah, all. it is not the time to buy. It's impossible. You know, there was a mayor running in California. Will you pull this up? It says a black guy, and he just gave his speech on because uh, California. Some people are kind of freaking the fuck out because this is the first time in the state's history that there are more people leaving than coming in. Mm-hmm. And this guy's—he's talking about the homeless. Well, it, it's it's the first time in the census in the last hundred years that they've had a net population loss. Mm-hmm. But the net population loss, I think, was it was some not significant, but not huge, like a few hundred thousand. Went, but considering the population of California is like seventy-two million. But the, I'll, I'll look it up. But the young Californians, right? Their their future generation of Nate are leaving because they can't buy a house. This one guy gave a speech like my grandfather moved here or my dad moved here. I don't know, the 60s or whatever. So 2020, California net, net yeah. lost 182,000 people. So they lost a small town or a medium-sized town, but considering the whole state is like 40 million. That trend will, but the thing is that trend will continue. It is impossible to buy a home. I know people, I've worked with people yeah. in the Bay Area that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars and they're still fucking renting. I know a guy that made like $150,000 a year and lived on a fucking couch and we know the same person, with seven people. Well, he was probably bootstrapping it, saving some cash. Stop but, saying bootstrap. Listen, you Stop being such a fucking st- boomer. I am a boomer. I got boomer energy, dog. He does own a house now. <laughs> he owns multiple. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing all right. He was bootstrapping. Dog. He, he Dude, was. you just got to, DeMarco, you got to be able to bootstrap. Uh, pull yourself up. I, I, and- anytime anybody <laughs> says pull yourself up by your bootstraps, it just triggers me. <laughs> oh, don't fucking ever use that word on this podcast again. Triggered. Fuck you. I'm just... <laughs> Hey, look, I have anxiety. I can say triggered. Oh, my God. You and your anxiety. No, I'm just kidding. I love you, brother. Um, but anyways, um, I don't know. Like, there, there's also, see if you can find that mayor. Oh, yes. Uh, like, whoever's running from, is it may, governor? It's He's the, running. It's the, it's it's the, the recall election. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, um, like, there, there, there's a mass exodus, and these people are moving to Tennessee. They're moving to places where they can buy a house and not have to you know, work their lives away. And I think... Well, and then we can work remotely now. Like, it makes sense. Like, you got the job showing up for work for a while, and now COVID made it so you can work from anywhere. And so why not go buy a piece of property? And people are moving all over the place. It's, yeah. It is insane. It is. It's very interesting. We live in... Unfortunately, people are trying to come up to Portland. Yeah, which until is they terrible. Get, until they get here. And yeah, they, and then they, they turn around. around. The, biggest, the biggest trend right now in real estate is people, uh, besides the fact, uh, companies, like we've talked about this previous episode, like investment companies buying houses and just renting them or s- buying them for like 40% over market mm-hmm. and still making profit, is people moving from Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, LA, all the big cities, to places like Bend or Lapine or um, Corvallis is kind of becoming one. Just small towns all over the country that they can work remotely, and it's just absolutely destroying the real estate market. Yes, mm-hmm. that's happening. All that's going to happen. Humans are crafty, crafty people. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I was sure for a while that we were in another 2008 situation, but I back then the way that you got money. Was you'd show you had to have a fucking pulse, and they'd give you a loan for a house. Are you talking about Larry Elder, the conservative radio guy? That's a hundred percent him. Yeah, he's a conservative radio host, which should tell you everything you need Get to know right it, from buddy. that. Dude, listen, I'm listen. The California needs a little bit of R in there. They need a There's little R. There's too much R everywhere. Shh, 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 shh. 
This like it scares me because you are a very smart, lovely human being, Rickety, but the it, the obsession you have, this like kind of like morbid fascination with joining the Republican I Party, will do it. really, really, I will makes, not do it. It makes the gay part of me really uncomfortable. Dude, here's here's what I'm trying to say. I'm not. I'm not. I'm a libertarian. I have strong. I think, so I'm gonna interrupt here. Go ahead. I think. The Republican Party needs more people to join it from the, the left leaning yeah, the left leaning yeah. society to actually balance it out. It's part yeah. of the counterweight. Yeah. Because both parties are becoming very extreme See, yeah, in their beliefs. Hold it's on, very it's very polarized. And that's not the system that we really want. Mm-hmm. We want something in the median, so, in the middle. So what I want Which is where where libertarians are at. I like I like the bicaramel system. But I would rather do a hybrid of our system with a uh, parliamentary system where you have to have uh, you have to have like as many parties as you want and you have to have coalitions to agree to work together. And I think having that while the libertarian I I'm I'm a homeless libertarian. I used to be a libertarian and now I guess I'm kind of like a quasi social libertarian, I guess. Um, it needs the Libertarian Party is an absolute fucking joke. How dare I you? I think we talk about this on every episode. We need more parties that are not the false duopoly that we have. So yeah, and gonna, that goes back to funding. Like, it's we have there's a monopoly or duopoly. Yeah, duopoly. Yeah. Uh, with our judicial system of being two parties, like we we have to solve this and trying to find people with money to embrace a new party is insane. And a lot of the crazies that support the Libertarian Party yeah, are crazies. <laughs> I think there's the unfortunate part with the Libertarian Party from somebody who used to... I worked for the Ron Paul campaign during the 2008 election mm-hmm. and then have stayed involved you know, from a distance with a lot of Libertarian stuff. And in that in 13 years... The Libertarian Party, because of the mindset of the Libertarian of let people, you know, let them be. And if you're not hurting anyone, you shouldn't say or do anything. Yes. Unfortunately, puts you into a kind of idealistic Pollyanna world where you are very easily taken advantage of by people. And I don't know if it is just I missed it and Libertarians are all like this or the like popular Libertarians have all been just... Uh, infiltrated and taken over by just fucking corporate bootlickers like Joe Jorgensen. Most of everything she said was great, but when it came to like healthcare regulation, it's just like, let's just let the market do it. And it's like, yes, this is great, but we already have mega corporations setting all of these regulations. So mm-hmm. we're going to have to pause here because this is I not, won't bummer cast not, you. you. I'm um, sorry. You're done. You're done, dude. We always, listen, I get like, I like to flirt with the political it's line. It's not a bummer cast. It's a reality uh, cast. Hold on. We'll do a fireside chat and we'll let DeMarco will be heard. And I think that we're going to just start <laughs> fighting. DeMarco needs another beer. DeMarco <laughs> needs another beer. But we, you, sir... We just we are not going to go there. I'm sorry, I'm a doomer. Uh, we're not going to go there. You're it. That's that's our new show. We need to spin off the fireside chat and just make a show called Boomer and Doomer. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Honestly, this is yeah. not a bad idea. I swear to God, if somebody well, takes that I idea, had, I had I had a uh, um, I want to do at some point. I think it'd be fun to do a podcast with uh, Jared, whom you've met, I believe, mm. and Julian, where we just review vices, just the different, like different forms of like, like, like drugs and alcohol. Well, no, 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 pornography. Well, no, well, maybe pornography, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how le- the night le- goes. Legal vices. That yeah. would that would be well, pornography is legal. That I would, would I'd be, be funny, to funny to watch, watch porn, porn Jared. <laughs> that would be hilarious. What was that, that, what was that movie? That really bad I, movie porn and chicken that it was about a college group of friends that they would get together and have movie nights where they'd buy bad porn and eat fried chicken listen i'm not gonna lie to you like uh in college that definitely happened with my roommate someone found a dvd and yeah and it became i won't say the name but it was it was but it would that would be hilarious honestly if you started a youtube channel just like (laughs) Review like just reactions. Everything, oh, everything was. I wouldn't blurred. have done it that way. You everything would be demonetized. In <laughs> a heartbeat. No, 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 absolutely not. I would sue them if they demonetized. I'd probably lose. I'd way too you much money. Lose. But like, if you just start, it, everything's blurred out, and you're just like, the title of the video is this, and we're gonna go ahead and review it and be like, 
Her acting, I believed that she was orgasming. The male performer, he had stamina. He had a lot of heart. Like the I don't eye know, you the- really <laughs> made the last, you know, the final, the final act of the film. I don't know. We have yeah. to. We'd have to review it from like a, uh, like a con film festival level, like you yeah. know, inside the actor studio. Yeah. Like with like classical music and serious like NPR voices for the so, whole thing. So I met a the third act where they we had a wheelbarrow and a lot of eye contact really made the film and made you feel connected to the performers. The money shot was a little low key. <laughs> Julian Dillon be like, you know what? He's a plumber, but those are not the tools of the trade. Guaranteed, he did not know what he was doing. Great acting. He must have studied well with the trade school, but I have to say, he was not working within code, and that is just not a good safety. OSHA would be appalled. This would be great. This is, we're geniuses. Mm-hmm. We're geniuses, I'm telling you. No, but just to... The, the, honestly, porno's on the table now, but like just to review vices. You know, beer. We'd review beers. It'd be all legal vices. All legal... All the yeah, I don't break the law. That would be fun to do, though. I feel like Vice Media might come after us. I'm surprised they haven't come after you for Vice Canning, or you're not big enough yet. Uh, this copyright, so it's not going to be like it's trademark. They have mm. a trademark, so I'm not in their trade at mm. all. Okay, so you, yeah, you can have same name, different industry. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's Vice Canning. Mm-hmm. It's not Vice Vice Media. Well, I didn't know Vice. if it was like it the industry Vice. What in does general. that stand for? This is very clever. Vice canning. What what we Oh, so vice canning we can we can vices. That's right. So that's kind of the nature of the game. It's clever. I I thought it was. Still kinda of do. It's it. still really good. Thanks. It made for great branding. Yeah, no, thanks, John. Mm-hmm. Got some pretty good branding. We actually committed to a box truck of this, so Oh cool. That's yeah. that you have to send me a picture of that oh, when yeah, you're done. Well, I'll I show need you. I, yeah, I was gonna say I need that for my portfolio. Oh, Pretty cool. A little side house. I have a portfolio. I know, right? Uh, you're so cool. I feel like an adult. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. Like, uh, there's. The, the, we're, I mean, we were talking about the housing market and how fucked it was, and you know, I thought about moving. I I did. I I went. I just recently went to Charlotte, North Carolina, and it's beautiful. It's a great city. A lot of love. Shout out to Charlotte. It's dope. Um, and then I went to Eastern Tennessee and Virginia. And um, it fucking sucked. I'm going to say it right now. It's the asshole of America. I hated it. I'm pretty sure New Mexico is. How fucking dare you, Wow, sir? okay. How dare okay. you? Yeah, how dare you? New Mexico. I have a very special place in my heart for New exactly. Mexico. New Mexico's, I don't know, it could be the asshole of America, but I'm going to check it out. I might be moving there. You, you know be. what? I mean... The Rick's Mind podcast might be moving to New if Mexico. If New Mexico's the asshole, get the salad ready, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but um the 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 it just I've real I, I could live in Charlotte for sure, but I could not live anywhere else. And then when you when you fly back into the the P and W and and even though it's super shitty and I hate it here and they're the cartels and all that stuff, you know. There's there's some hills, some large hills that I enjoy looking at, and the airs, you know, the air quality is still decent. Um, it's it's not a bad. <laughs> I know I'm fucking everything up. I'm sorry. Uh, it's not a bad place to live. From what we, I've heard, we definitely live in one of the be- like best places. Better. From places. what I've heard, uh, is it Ash Ashland, North Carolina? Ash. Yeah, Ashland, North Carolina. Asheville. Asheville, yeah, is kind of blowing up and becoming kind of like that's a new brew scene. Yeah, it's becoming kind of culturally like. Portland, how Portland kind of like culturally peaked like yeah. five years ago, Ooh. four or five years ago, or at least in this 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 age that Asheville is becoming that now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So what like I do? I had a question for you. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember it. What are your thoughts? Well, actually, never mind. I I totally forgot. But I do have a I got a book recommendation for you, sir. Mm. You ever heard of? It's it's about it's 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 the one that Scott read. It's uncommon, uncommon something. Hold on, buddy. I'm gonna look this up. Do you know the author by chance? Nope, no clue. Awesome, no clue. Undaunted courage. Ooh, sounds intriguing. It's about by Stephen Ambrose. Yeah, it's about Lewis and Clark. And their expedition. Oh, I think you did mention this to Dude. Me. Go in the show notes from last week. There's yeah. links to that. Yeah, there's links to that. But it's it's an incredible book. I'm like, I don't know, like five, I, I bought it on tape. 
because I'm a, it's an incredible book, man. But dude, we're about out of time. So uh, give us your website, social media. Where can people follow? Kind of see what you do. Find us for quotes and estimates on vicecanning.com. Follow us on Instagram, just vicecanning. So thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thanks All right. for having me. All right, fellas, ladies, gentlemen, thanks for listening. Love you guys. And um, never give up. Keep trying. I just realized that <clears throat> out of 600,000 podcasts, I think only 40,000 are active, and we're part of the 7% that never gave up, and we're not going to. So I appreciate, appreciate you guys and your support, and um, we'll, keep, we'll keep plugging along.